Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. Uh, my name is Bruce Johnson. I am unfortunately not joined in the wonderful state of South Dakota today by my good friend Joe Lasseter because he has finals this week and um, dude has a lot of stuff to do for finals. So <laughs> unfortunately, he was not able to join us, but I am joined by my brother Jacob Johnson back Hello. in the state of Pennsylvania. Thanks so much for joining today, Jake. This is our very first Monday episode so we're very excited to kick this off our brand new format we've got a lot of really fun stuff to talk about so um don't forget you can go to trdshow.net and share that website with as many people as you can to help spread the word about the show it's also where you can go to find us on platforms that don't censor us uh like pro first amendment platforms like rumble odyssey gab tv all sorts of others go to trdshow.net you'll find a link to all of those things also you know if you really enjoy the show and you want to share it with people and explain to them what the show is all about we have an about page for that if you want to get in touch with us and send us a message we have a page for that like lots of options go to that website sign up for an account that really helps us um you can also send us an email at trdshow at protonmail.com and we'd love to hear your thoughts on what we are talking about. So today we are talking about current events. It's Current Events Monday, and we've got a lot of current events to get into, break down, discuss from biblical worldview. Some crazy stuff I hear happened with January 6th. Um, people like, wow, there's a lot going on there. Um, so Jake's going to be breaking that down for us. I've got some crazy stuff that Biden, fake President Biden said over the week about schools and government indoctrination camps and what they're really doing and how they think about your children. So we're going to be talking about all of that kind of stuff from a biblical perspective. So we're very excited to have you joining us today. But before we get to all of that, we have to talk about the verse of the week. And our verse this week is Psalm 127 verse 1. And it says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Again, Psalm 127 verse 1. Um, so this one is used in a lot of different contexts. I've heard this used by a lot of people, right? But I, th I still think it's very, very important that we remember this, right? Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And, you know, I think the founding fathers kind of took this to heart when they created America originally, or the idea of America, right? The Constitution, the Articles of Confederation. Their whole premise was, if God is not for us, then everyone will be against us, and including the judgment of God, right? But if God is for us, then who can be against us? So we need to keep this in mind. But in everything that we're doing, we need to, as we say at the end of the show, every episode, we need to do it as unto the Lord. Do everything you do as unto the Lord. So this verse is talking about that. Unless the Lord builds the house, unless we are building the house of America and our society in a way that is pleasing to God and his word, unless we're doing that, we're, we're building it in vain. The laborer, all of our work is in vain if it's not rooted in scripture. We can do a billion things, and if it's not rooted in the word of God, and it's not with the right motivations to build his kingdom here on earth, it's in vain, right? Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain, right? Things are going to overtake us if the Lord is not our watchman, if the Lord is not our defense, if we're not relying on him to defend us, if we're relying on our own strength, our own military to defend ourselves, and we're not relying on God, we're doing it in vain. 
We, we build up a massive military standing army, which is against scripture. We build that in vain. So this is a really important principle that applies to so many things. So I really, really wanted to bring up this verse um, and break that down. With that said, let's go into our current events segment. So Jake, I'm going to pass it on over to you. Take it away. All right. So um, my headline this week um, that I found very interesting, and I kind of wanted to break it down because of um, my love of court cases and court um, terminology, Woo. and this one stuck out to me, and so I thought I would break it down for everyone to make sure that they understand what this means. Yeah. So um, the headline is, first January 6th defendant files habeas corpus petition. Ooh, big right? words. Okay. Yeah. And so <laughs> I just wanted to... Um, so kick it I off. will get okay. into what habeas corpus is. Give me but one first. Word. Is this good? Is this bad? Good. Great. It is good. Okay. <laughs> it's really good. But um, but also okay. Yeah, you could take it either way, really. But um, yeah, one of the many January sixth defendants, um, who were kept unlawfully by the civil government, has mm -hmm. now come out and filed habeas corpus. Right. Mm -hmm. And now, for those who don't know what habeas corpus is. It is Latin for you may have the body. Hmm. Um, what it means well. in this case, right? It, it doesn't. So typically when you read the Latin, it kind of makes sense. But this one doesn't make as much sense <laughs> to me. Um, what it means in this case is that the court is calling forth the de detainee in order to see um, if he was if he has been unlawfully detained. Hmm. Right. If he is being held unlawfully. Yeah. Um, and as we can see, we go into it further. The defendant's name is Christopher Quaglin, who is 36, married with one children, with one child. Um, the conditions he faces across six different jails has been horrid, hmm. right? Wow. Quaglin has specifically celiac disease, which prevents him from eating gluten, right? Um, now, the article didn't directly say... Um, that, but I, uh, didn't directly say, but I'm, I'm assuming, um, that on many occasions he was not fed or be, on many occasions, um, he was starved. The article says he was starved, but I'm assuming mm. that, um, that meant, or that, that could also mean that he was given food that he knows has gluten in it. So he didn't want to take it. Otherwise he would have a serious allergic reaction to it. Mm. So, yeah. wow. but, uh, but the, the main point there is that he was being starved, right? Yeah. Um, and therefore, and then also, right, there are multiple other problems with the, um, with the places that he was being held, not being able to listen, um, not being able to talk to his lawyer, right? Mm. So multiple different things. Wow. And, um, so... The question I want to bring to the table then is, is holding someone in terrible conditions a biblical action of the civil government? Hmm. To is which that, I know Bruce justice? could obviously... Right. To which Bruce probably knows the answer. <laughs> it, it's no. Yep. Right? So, Absolutely not. Yeah. And my reason for coming to this conclusion is, as we've talked many times, putting people in cages is not biblical. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Treating human beings like animals. Right, right. And so not only is putting someone 
in prison wrong, but also the treatment of him in a prison in a terrible manner mm. is wrong. Yeah. And and, and remind me, um, just to set some precedence here, was he, or framework, I mean, frame this, was he given a fair trial? No. Did he have due process? No. Because even in because our constitution, was, that is, they, they have to have due process. In order for him to file habeas corpus, he... Um, He's he's being detained. He's not in prison. He's being detained for over a year until he can receive trial for over like, a year. Yeah, yeah. Since since April seventh, he was arrested. Are there zero stipulate? Wait, uh, April seventh, twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. Yep. Wow, that's crazy. Yep. So over a year now. Are there yep. stipulations constitutionally that you're aware of? And I know I'm putting you on the spot here, <laughs> um, but. You know, one of the stipulations is a speedy trial, right? Mm -hmm. Are there further constraints on the time limit for that speedy trial that, that you're aware of constitutionally? or No. So constitutionally, it talks about um, due process. Okay. Right? No one is without due process, right? No yeah. one can be detained without due process. And But that's he hasn't been processed, right? So he was arrested and he's detained. So he has the right to a speedy trial and mm. due process, right? Um, but he's been in there since April 7th. And of 2021, whole year. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, there are multiple reasons for him to be judged by the state in a biblical manner because he did commit crimes, mm. right, while in the Capitol. Really? He did assault officers. He sprayed them with some chemical and stuff. Oh, wow. It, it didn't seriously hurt them. I, at least the article didn't say it seriously hurt, hurt them. But he did, he did cause problems, right? So I understand them wanting to bring him before a judge, but detaining him unlawfully is not the answer, right? And, mm. and we go into this idea that we've talked about multiple times about the, the prison cells shouldn't be a thing, right? I understand detaining someone until they can be processed, right? But we shouldn't, as a form of punishment, it shouldn't be prisons, yeah. right? Um, so maybe there is a prison, but that's not for people as a punishment, right? There's either restitution, or if there can't be any restitution, then it's capital punishment. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, all of these things that we're talking about have to be framed in a biblical way, right? So mm -hmm. within a biblical society, these are the ways that civil government should be run. In a non-biblical society under judgment, this is what you see and this is this is what you get. So we are mm -hmm. seeing all of these things. And, you know, I've had conversations with a lot of different people. And um, one of the things that they'll always bring up is, well, do you really want our current civil government to have the ability to just uh, to, to give the death penalty more readily? And that is a that's a I mean, that's a valid question. Do we want our wicked right. civil government, which, by the way, does accurately represent the populace um, election fraud or not? Do we really want them to have the power to, to, to you know, give the death penalty? And the the, the answer is probably not. No, at right. this point. However, yeah, you would, yeah. Go, go ahead. You would rather 
people who are guilty go free than an innocent man be murdered. Uh, yeah. Murdered. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right. So, yeah, there's there's a lot that needs to be said there. And this is definitely a weighty issue because we're talking about people's lives. But but also, if we're talking about straight up imprisonment, no. I mean, that is very clearly not okay. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah. then, you know, I do have to weigh into this because, well, you know, what's the alternative? Do we keep sending them these these actual criminals back out and do they and let's say they keep murdering people, but there's the the biblical restitution would be capital punishment, right? Death sentence, mm-hmm. right? For these for multiple repeat offenders, it's cl- very clear that they're homicidal, right? Um but we need to keep in mind that for people like in, in this situation, you know, what, what happens here, right? Because as we've stated before, the civil government is, is the justice division of society. That's, that's their job. So they should know that part of it pretty darn well. Instead, they're pretending like they know everything else. That's not their job pretty well. And this is just kind of a side thing. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. oh, we get to do this to people too. <laughs> You know? Yeah. Oh, we don't just take their money. Oh, we actually get to put them in cra- in cages too. Wow, that's that's cool. You know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Just I do want to loop back. I didn't say circle back. See, uh, I do want to loop back to what you were saying earlier about um, say that Latin phrase again. Corpus habeas corpus. There it is. What you were you were about to kind of break into that phrase just a little bit more and what he's actually doing there. Um, Give me the translation. Something about bring forth the body. Was that the translation? The translation was you may have the body. So what is what is he actually doing here? Um, so it's the article didn't give me much about um, the and, and so what what actually happens is that this um, Quaglin would go to his lawyer and the lawyer would is is the one doing something to where he files this writ of habeas corpus right and so and basically what it is asking is for the the um courts to go over and look back through and say is this a um a lawful detainment or an unlawful detainment mm. to which the there was an actual quote from uh, the lawyer himself, who was saying that there are five, and this is this is just a paraphrase, but there are five different um, reasons why this is an unlawful detainment by, wow. and that even just one of them would prove to the court, a court would take and say, oh yeah, that's unlawful detainment, oh, wow. but there are now five. All right. Right. So there's so, a high chance of success here. Right, but the court that received it was said that no his crimes outweigh any reasons wow and they can just flat out do that they can right Mm. but so then he needs to file go even further up into the circuit courts if the circuit courts refuse then he files i don't know the actual terminology but he files a different writ okay in order for the supreme court to look at it wow Right. Wow. So there, there are multiple different. Um, Do you know that if the lawyers that are defending are they the Alliance Defending Freedom group? Is it a are they a pretty solid group that, you know, he would be able to maybe because I know it, it kind of depends on the lawyer that you have whether they're able to push that far or whether they're they know what they're doing you know so. 
Just wondering about like what's right. the so, probability of no, success. No, it is not the alliance defending freedom. Hmm. Um, at least the article didn't talk about that. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, well, this is um, this has been a, a really interesting discussion on on a lot of that, and I, I think we need to we need to talk more about biblical justice in Christian circles more. Because a lot of this stuff is just not common. We do, we think it's just, oh, it's lawyer speak. Or, oh, it's not really something I need to, I'm not going to run for office. Or maybe I'm going to run for office, but it's in a totally different, you know, jurisdiction of civil government or whatever. But this is vitally important because you are talking about people's lives here. Not just the perpetrator of the crime, um, but the victims as well. And whether they have restitution and whether they get restitution from... Uh, wrongfully accused, being wrongfully accused by the civil government or, or whatever, what what have you, right? This is this idea of justice is vitally important because the God that we worship is a God of justice, a just God who, in order for us to be right in his eyes, literally his 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 only son had to die on a cross for us to be right in his eyes. That's that's how how seriously he takes justice, right? So this is not something that we need to take that we can take lightly um in Christian circles and I think we we take it too lightly nowadays, which is really unfortunate. We need to talk about it more from the pulpit, talk about it more amongst ourselves and actually study these things. So All right. Well, that leaves me with about 13 minutes left to (laughs) go through my article. Uh, So I'm going to try and zip through this as quickly as I can with a lack of monologue. So we'll see how this goes. (laughs) Um, Anywho, the uh, Biden is under fire for saying children belong to teachers while in school. Um, And uh, there's two. Well, this is one article. I think there's a second article I'm going to list. There's a couple things I'll list in the description. Also, by the way, Jake's article is in the description as well. So check that out. Do some research. Send us additional facts if you find them that we didn't address. We'd love to hear from you. Um, So I'm going to read a few quotes from that article. The former vice president, by the way, I added that in because they kept calling him president for some reason. So I fixed it. Um, So uh, the former vice president made the comments on Wednesday during a White House event honoring the 2022 National and State Teachers of the Year. So, yeah, that's great. They are honoring their beloved uh, uh, bishops of indoctrination. Um, Continuing the quote, uh, fake President Biden said, you've heard me say it many times about our children, but it's true. They're all our children, fake President Biden said in his remarks. And the reason you're the teachers of the year is because you recognize that they're not somebody else's children, they're like yours when they're in the classroom, end quote. Um, I've talked at length about the responsibilities of the family government in training their own children, right? We've talked about this so much. Um, but I want to take this opportunity to address some common concerns that people will bring up when we make the assertion that education is the parent's responsibility. Before I get to that, I want to back up just a bit, just shed some further light on this. I know I talk about government indoctrination camps they can call them schools if they want to but that's not what they are i talk about government government indoctrination camps a lot but i I think it's for a very good reason i think it's because this is one of the worst issues in america today because our future is dependent on the next generation that comes after us right and just like how what we're going to talk about later this week about gary demar's book just like how whoever owns the land technically controls the future, whoever owns the children also owns the future, right? So 
This is a vitally important issue that we don't talk about nearly as much in Christian circles. Now, thankfully, more of us are homeschooling now than ever before. Well, not technically true because, you know, pre-government indoctrination camps in the mid-1800s, there were no <laughs> uh, government indoctrination camps like that uh, in America. So, no, not technically more than ever before, but more than ever before in recent history, which is fantastic. We need to talk about it. We need to have our convictions straight so that we know morally and ethically and biblically why we are training our own children instead of sending them to the government, right? This is their mindset. We've talked about this before. A fake President Biden and the rest of his cohort, the rest of his uh, his priests and high priestesses that follow him and really his, his religion... Um, which he is a follower of. He didn't, he's perpetrating it. He didn't, or perpetually pushing it. He didn't create it, right? But he's one of their uh, accolades, right? Um, they, this is their perspective. They see the children, your children, as their own. That, this is, this is just, this should be eye-opening. They can't make it any more obvious. They see your children. If you are giving your children to the state, they see them as their children. The state thinks that they have a right to do whatever they want with your children. That is what we are seeing here. I want to list out some reasons from the other perspective about why parents are the most equipped to train their own children. So I want to talk about that. Philip Kayser, the founder of biblicalblueprints.com, and I'll have that up on screen, biblicalblueprints.com. Go to that site. There's so many great, great things. I'm going to list his article in the description below, but he wrote a fantastic article that I've included in the description of this episode called Education in the Family. So check that out. Read all the way through it. It's a long read, but it's a really good one. Even just use it as a reference. In it, he addresses several objections to homeschooling. Here are just a few of them. So these are the ones that I kind of want to talk a little bit about. So here's one. But what if I'm not a great teacher? And also, there really aren't any passages in scripture that rule out government education, right? And then also, most subjects are neutral, aren't they? I don't see why a believer or, or why an unbeliever can't teach math or science just as well as a Christian. So a lot of objections there. All of those kind of, you know, bonkers. But we're going to break those down. <laughs> so um, I'm just going to take one or two of these for now. And explain them from the article because I only have about eight minutes left. But go to this article. Seriously, read through this. This is really, really important stuff for you to know. And even if you don't have children, you need to help people who do have children or are about to have children, right? This isn't just like, it's like, okay, well, you know, I don't know. For instance, I'm 50 or 60 years old. I've already done that part of my life. I have children that maybe have grandkids, but I don't have children of my own. Why do I need to know this? Well, Maybe your children and grandkids need to know this. You know, maybe somebody you're ta you'll talk to in the store tomorrow needs to know this. You know, this is applicable to everyone. You need to know these sorts of things, okay? So for the first objection, but what if I'm not a great teacher? Okay, Kayser explains that everyone is a teacher to their children. There isn't a magical age where children suddenly start learning. Like they didn't know, they weren't learning anything before that. And then, oh, they're five and a half years old, 5.3 years old. Now they suddenly start taking in information. No, <laughs> as soon as they're born, they start learning things from you as the parent. Okay, immediately. The natural progression after realizing that you can't help but teach your own children um, is that we should realize the importance of solid biblical education. They're going to learn something whether you want them to or not. You better make sure that that is solidly 
biblical, what they're learning. There are countless passages in scripture that talk about the importance of, ch of children being brought up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You might have heard nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's the King James language, right? But ESV that I usually read, discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. So look that up. Um, but Kayser specifically brings up a, a couple passages and look these up. I'll have them up on screen. Joel chapter two, verses 15 through 16, Joshua chapter eight, verse 35 and Psalm uh, chapter eight, verse two. So those are up on screen. Take a look at those. Those are really good to study. Um, so Kayser's answer to this question, there's, there's three parts that I want to bring up here. So one, <laughs> you don't really have a choice. You are a teacher to your children, whether you like it or not. You're a teacher. I'm sorry. That's the way it is. God has given you these children. If you don't want to be a teacher, don't have children. But also, God has commanded us to have children. So, sorry. You're going to be a teacher, whether you like it or not. <laughs> Two, a truly good teacher will seek to give their children a comprehensive, biblical worldview. If you truly want to follow the Bible, you are a teacher, one. And two, you need to try and give your children a comprehensive comprehensive over everything, comprehensive biblical worldview. Three, laying the foundation of the word of God will actually cause you to develop additional skills, which will lead to your kids growing in their formal education. Um, also, I'd like to add that there are hundreds, if not thousands of resources online and within the larger Christian community that can help provide you with supplemental content for your biblical formal educational development. So, Lots of resources. So hopefully that question is answered. And I don't have a ton of time, but I will get to the second point. Before I do, Jake, was there anything that kind of you wanted to add to the conversation? Or I don't want to steal it and steamroll. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't I don't wouldn't want to take up too much time. But yeah, sure. that's Yeah. This 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 point of that the children are now the states. Yes. Right. Yeah. And in that they they could argue that from a constitutional perspective maybe really like if, if they twist stuff around you know it would have to be like a really weird and twisted version of their ideal of the constitution right um but i could see kind of how they for someone who doesn't know the constitution well yeah i could see how they could show that and how that person would you know take it so yeah, it just like, yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. Well, and I say, if that's possible, and if you can, without like formal training, see a way to do that, then I think uh, that even furthers my perspective on us trying to get back to the Articles of Confederation as opposed to the Constitution. Anyways, I'll just leave that there. <laughs> Discussion for another day. Maybe that'll be one of our topics sometime. Um, okay, my, my second point that I'd like to bring up next, I'd like to address the second objection that I mentioned above. And that objection was there really aren't any passages in scripture that rule out government education, right? The Bible doesn't say that we shouldn't have the civil government uh, or a worldly entity like the civil government training our children. That's not, I mean, that's not mentioned in the Bible, right? <laughs> well, Kayser lists over 15 verses all throughout scripture, which refute this idea. Some of those include, and I'll have these up on screen, so definitely check these out. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 2, Matthew 18, verses 6 through 7, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, and Psalm 1, verse 1. Check those out. Really important. 
Write them down. Go back. Listen to it again. These are good things to remember. Kayser's first point under this topic is that if the Bible does not give a power or authority to the church or to the state, that power or authority then belongs to the family. I'll restate that. If the church, if the Bible does not give authority or power to the church or the state, that power and authority belongs to the family government. That's important to understand. Scripturally speaking, the state has zero authority to ed- in educational matters. It's not their job. They are the justice division of society. Kayser spends a huge chunk of time explaining that learning, uh, let's see, learning from and hanging out with unbelievers for extended periods periods of time is not okay from a biblical standpoint. That's, that's no good. An excellent example of this can be found in Psalm 1 verse 1, which says, Blessed, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, but sits or, or sits in the seat of the scoffers, right? So blessed is the man who doesn't hang around with these people for more than they have to with extended periods of time and learns from them, right? Learns from the sinners, the scoffers, the, the wicked, right? Um, and I'll also add to this conversation, Deuteronomy um, chapter 11, verses eight, 18 through 20, which says, you shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house, when you are walking by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Does it get much more comprehensive than that? <laughs> like, teach them to your children when you're sitting in your house, you're walking, when you lie down, when you rise, write them on your doorposts. By the way, this is talking about the law of God, but the Bible, scripture, right? It should be so prevalent in your day-to-day activities that it's just in everything that you're doing, you do it as unto the Lord. And you see examples, uh, you see passages, you, you're constantly immersed in that. That is what is being called for here. So there's a lot more talked about in that article, but we're out of time. Um, so I'd encourage you to check those two things out. And um, I think that would be definitely worth your time to check those out. Jake, anything you want to add before we wrap up for today? Yeah, um, I just looked up that amendment where it could possibly be taken from. Yeah. And I believe, I, again, if you read through it, it's um, Amendment 14, Section 1, which says, All persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. Hmm. Right? So I could see how they could take that and twist it to say, if you're citizens, then you belong to the state. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There, there would have to be some interesting hoops that they would jump through there, but maybe. Cool. Well, thanks for looking that up, Jake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? No. Nope. No. Nope. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you all so much for listening today on, uh, to our Monday episode, our very first Monday episode. Um, check us out again don't forget wednesday is our next episode this week we're going to be talking about the literature of the month so this week we read god and government volume 2 chapter 16 i believe right jake chapter 16 um chapter 6 in volume (laughs) 2 so definitely join us for that we're looking forward to seeing you don't forget send us some emails at trdshow at protonmail.com go to our website trdshow.net and we will see you in the next episode
And remember everyone, in all that you do, do as unto the Lord.